and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we are going to be discussing organization, where we are primarily going to focus on how you organize your life, namely time and space, which will include both personal and professional references. I actually did my master's thesis project on time management for the student athletic trainer. So it probably makes more sense to call this podcast episode management, but we already have an episode on that and it was a different type of management. So as not to confuse all of you, we are discussing organization. If you're interested in the management podcast, it's number three from last season. Key learning objectives. Determine necessary organization steps for one's life and utilize resources to make changes. Recognize the psychological and physical responses of stress as the result of untidy spaces. Distinguish the various ways organization impacts our lives and how to advance professionally based on current levels of organization. As always, we will start out with a definition. So, According to dictionary.com, organized is defined as to form as or into a whole consisting of interdependent or coordinated parts, especially for united action. Also listed are to systemize or give structure to. Let's break this down a little bit by first stating that this is going to look different for everybody. How you systemize your music library might be by artist, whereas mine could be by song. And really, that doesn't matter so much. As long as things are in a place that you know and are comfortable with. What we're talking about today is how to make our spaces tidier. But I'm not here to conform you to do things one way. Rather, to empower you to take a look at the spaces you spend the most time in and consider whether your life would be more efficient if there was a bit more order to it. If we examine the definition to form into a whole consisting of interdependent or coordinated parts, I think we can really extract the major consideration here, which is, Does your current way of organizing things allow the different parts to coordinate together? For example, a filing cabinet. Are there legal-sized documents jamming the drawer from closing all the way? Or are there files that are too overstuffed and ripping from the hanging prong? If so, the cabinet cannot properly function. The interdependent parts are hindering its functionality. Same idea for your medical kit. Do you have loose gauze flying around in there with cotton-tipped applicators wedged between the cushions? If so, the parts are not coordinating to a whole, especially for a united action, as the definition suggests. It's important to be critical of how we are currently organized or what we think might be organization when really it has little to no practicality. I'm here to help you systemize and give structure to your space so that we can all operate in a more professional manner. So how does this affect us on a larger scale or as a profession? 
It's important to have a clear space and clarity when you're working in a healthcare environment or even just at home so that you can relax. When you're making important decisions or working in stressful situations, which we all do, having a cluttered space creates unnecessary obstacles, both physically and mentally. In some ways, having clutter around you may hinder you from making larger decisions. If you're anything like me, I can't start a new project until the mess from the previous one is cleared away. A good example for me is cooking dinner. I have to do the dishes that are in the sink before making another meal. I recognize that not everyone's brain works like this, but I inhibit myself from going bigger or doing something better because I still have the leftovers of my previous mess. This relates professionally as well. If you can't see beyond the pile of textbooks or notes that need to be charted, how will you be able to focus mental energy on writing a new EAP or developing curriculum for an upcoming course? This is another one of those topics that you may seem like, Alicia, this doesn't really relate to business and athletic training. Why are we talking about it? And truthfully, because it matters. How we conduct and present ourselves has meaning, and organization is no exception to that. We've discussed professional etiquette and personal branding. This is an extension of those topics that will affect how well you're able to excel professionally. Of course, there are plenty of people out there who are successful in life without being organized but we greatly improve our first impressions and overall suggestion of who we are when we are neat. I will give examples of this, but just take a moment to reflect on how you feel when you walk into a space that is airy and decluttered versus a space that is littered with piles of stuff everywhere. Or think about being back in school or maybe at a professional conference. What do you think about the person who has well laid out notes and knows exactly where to find things as opposed to the person whose bag opens up and everything just comes pouring out of there in a heaping mess? If you had pleasant or positive thoughts about either of the first examples and negative or unpleasant thoughts about the latter, then you inherently understand the significance of organization. Let's break down some of the components of organization. Relating it back to personal brand, which we discussed in episode three from this season, how you present yourself in any situation, but especially for contract work, is going to make a difference in whether you get hired again. When we work for an ongoing position with someone, for example, an employer, our appearance doesn't matter as much because they may get to know who you are and understand that how you show up for work or maybe what your desk looks like isn't necessarily a reflection of the work that you do. But when you're meeting the opposing team's athletic trainer or just working a tournament gig, you have one shot at making a lasting impression. So if you're going to work as an independent contractor, then organization is essential 
between receipts for meals and mileage logs or coordinating your schedule amongst all your clients, being able to systemize your processes will not only keep you sane, it will also keep you out of trouble. There's nothing worse than double booking yourself and not showing up somewhere or looking like you're irresponsible. As someone who dispatches anywhere between 30 and 75 athletic trainers in a week, I can tell you that I sincerely appreciate the person who is on top of things. I make errors and when they can show me a paper trail or bring the error to my attention, I'm thankful because we likely avoided a much bigger mistake. While I own up to my shortcomings, it makes me wonder what system of organization you're using if the error got past both of us. I'm more inclined to keep working with the person who is organized and brings my own errors to my attention than I am somebody who it gets by both of us. I feel more confident committing our work opportunities to people who haven't made an oversight in their scheduling and are able to keep everything in order. I'll give you some recommendations a little bit later on some softwares and tools that I use for these kinds of things. So if you're already thinking that maybe you could benefit from getting organized in this part of your life, hang tight and we'll talk about some ways that you can start implementing options. You want to have the items that you keep near you, be it your car or your kit or just general workspace and even your house to have meaning and display the value that they have in your life. If you present yourself as a disheveled mess, that's what people will think of you. If your kit is tattered, messy inside, and looks like an afterthought, that is the image that you are portraying of the kind of work that you do, especially when someone has no other basis to judge you on. If you're the person who has the kit with nose plugs stuck to the bottom of tape rolls, scraps of pre-wrap strewn about in the crevices, and random ointments gushing out of their tubes, then what does that say about your cleanliness as a medical professional? Juxtapose that to a kit that has clear tubes holding its rolls of tape, canisters for tongue depressors and applicators, and pockets for various band-aid types. Being medical professionals, those are the tools of the job, and we want our patients to be confident in the work that we're doing. So keeping our space clean and tidy is part of the presentation. I'm not saying that you have to go spend a boatload at the container store, but maybe stopping by the Dollar Tree or Michael's to snag a few plastic containers wouldn't hurt. When I show up to work a tournament or some type of event and the head athletic trainer has put the table of supplies out, I always take inventory of their presentation. And if I'm honest, I'm a bit intimidated when I walk up and there are little plastic drawers displaying bandages and trays for various tapes or a binder with laminated and sealed pockets for all of the paperwork. I know immediately that person has their stuff together and it makes me want to be a better professional. I'm intimidated because 
I become self-conscious of my own presentation. Like, what are they going to think about my kit or what I look like? I want to be able to raise the bar and match what they're presenting. I now want to make as good of an impression on them that they have on me. And that's great. That's how we elevate ourselves as professionals. Contrarily, I usually have the opposite response when the presentation of supplies is just sort of strewn about. I think the person is less put together and assume that they're a novice at this or aren't as well equipped at doing the job. Maybe you're judging me for thinking those things or maybe you're nodding your head in agreement. Either way, the truth is, We have those thoughts and first opinions are formed quickly. So being organized and presenting yourself in a way that elevates people's thoughts about you is going to bode well professionally. Next, let's consider how your level of organization can affect your networking. You probably didn't think those two were related, right? But how you manage yourself will show itself in the company that you keep and how you present yourself online, which we know is a factor in our networking ability because you listened to episode number six, networking. Focus on quality over quantity. In a time where there is much weight given to how many likes and followers and friends that we have, it's hard to focus on the value of each one. I challenge you to shift your focus to having a quality number of connections as opposed to a quantity. After all, it doesn't matter how many people you know if you're not truly connected to any of them. When we minimize the number and focus on the value, we are able to eliminate noise and excess. This goes for everything from your closet to your filing cabinet to your professional network. Only keep what is necessary and discard the extra. Of the 500 plus connections that you have on LinkedIn, How many are actually going to help you get a job? I'm not saying go unfriend a bunch of people, but be realistic about who you could actually invest time and energy in. I have close to a thousand connections on LinkedIn, and I only actually know a handful of those people. When I first started on the site, I thought these connections were going to lead to fruitful conversations or possible business endeavors. But the longer I've been on there, I realize it's just a place that is more acceptable for people to try and sell you stuff. I recognize this isn't the case for everybody. I actually know a good number of people that use it for recruiting and some people that have actually found jobs on LinkedIn. We've never been successful in that way, but I have also been yet to utilize a single person from the 1,000 plus that I have on there, and I don't really see that changing anytime soon. At this point, if I receive a request on there and I don't know who you are personally or you're not an athletic trainer, I probably won't accept the request because 
it invariably leads to a message in my inbox about something that is being sold, which I'm just not in the mood for. (laughs) So seriously consider the quality over the quantity in terms of your network and how you're able to scale down and focus on the ones that actually matter that may help you succeed professionally or personally and really lean in to those. Another way to look at your connections is potentially through the polos that you hold on to. I've kept one from just about every job that I've had, mostly as a keepsake, but also to remember where I've been and the memories that I have in those shirts. But I've purged more and more throughout the years, understanding that I don't need a physical representation in order to store my memories. I mean, how many of those 30 polos or business shirts that you own would you actually wear again? Instead, clean that space out, thereby allowing room for new opportunities and store those memories in a different way. That's a good bridge for us to move on to physical space, which is probably the one that we are most familiar with when it comes to organization. If you're listening and realize that your physical space could use some sprucing up, but it just seems too daunting to take on, break it up. For example, if you need to clean an inventory, your athletic training facility prior to the school year ending, or maybe you do it on the calendar year if you're in a clinic, just chunk it out. One day could be the cabinets or rehab equipment. The next day could be the tables or modalities. You could focus on cleaning and decluttering first, then taking inventory. Whatever it is, perhaps make a checklist or a spreadsheet or whatever tool that works best for your optics and start chipping away at it. Maybe you could even enlist students or other personnel to help take tasks off your hands. You could also start by knocking out some of those piles that have been accumulating around your space. Give back borrowed textbooks or pamphlets, throw away sales promos or magazines that have come in throughout the year, file your notes away, hang up the posters that you may have received. You know what pile I'm talking about. You're probably thinking about it or maybe even staring at it as you listen to this. Start going through there. Maybe you're hanging on to files in your professional filing cabinet or your personal one that are outdated. It only creates clutter for the paperwork that is actually important. Remember, we're focusing on quality instead of quantity. I want you to consider your physical filing cabinet but your digital one as well. If you haven't cleaned up your desktop or your work folders in over a year, it's time to do that right now. If you're that person that when your desktop loads, it's just a scatterboard of various files sitting on there, please get those into folders, Get those folders off your desktop. I'm about to tell you shortly why it's so important to declutter our spaces. You should try to review and file away at minimum yearly. Ideally, you could do it 
little by little, maybe once a month, once every six months or seasonally, but definitely every single year, make sure you're going through the stuff that you filed previously to ensure that it's still needed. Make sure that you're holding on to medical files and your taxes for seven years. And if you have questions about how long you should keep other documents, just Google it. You can probably find everything out there. If you have a physical filing cabinet at home, be sure to consider whether majority of that stuff is available online. I know for us, there are product uh, manuals and, you know, that comes with your printer or, you know, extra pamphlets that come with your desks or things like that. See if they're available online or if you could access them that way. That way you're not having to hold on to a physical copy of those. Again, just a way to declutter the space and have more opportunity available for the things that you actually need to hold on to. Also, there really is something to be said about having a level of functionality in your work and home space. And by that, I mean, there needs to be a flow. When you're setting up your workspace, especially an athletic training facility, keep in mind how people are going to enter, where they are most likely to congregate, separate spaces you will need, and how to allow the flow of one to move to another. For example, it may not make sense to put your rehab station near the front door and your desk or the sign-in sheet at the back of the room. Or you may not want to place your filing cabinet near a wet area. Perhaps these seem obvious, but I've been in plenty of athletic training facilities where the flow caused unnecessary congestion. Think about it also if you're an HGTV binge watcher like I am, and how people always talk about wanting open spaces, or even just in your own home, where you enter, where you put things down at, where you go immediately, where do you take your shoes off? All of those kinds of things are the habits that we want to take into consideration when we're organizing our spaces. For example, maybe it doesn't make sense to put a shoe rack in your dining room if you always take your shoes off at the front door or vice versa. If you always come in and walk right past the front door and don't take your shoes off until you go sit down in the dining room or the living room, maybe it makes sense to put the shoe rack over there. This is all about functionality. And if you can organize a room in such a way that is intuitive for people you will be required to give less direction and allow yourself to focus on different tasks, which is especially important in an athletic training facility, especially if you're at the secondary school where you're doing a lot of triage and it helps tremendously for people to be able to assist themselves or at least get a process started while you're getting something else finished up. Why is all of this so important? Why do I feel so strongly about discussing this? Obviously, it has impacts on us professionally, but according to Psychology Today, there are eight potential causes of stress in our mess. One, clutter bombards our minds with excessive stimuli, visual, olfactory, tactile, causing our senses to work overtime on stimuli 
that aren't necessary or important. Two, clutter distracts us by drawing our attention away from what our focus should be on. This is the example I gave with cooking dinner. I just can't focus on getting a new meal made when I've still got dishes in the sink from the previous one. Three, clutter makes it more difficult to relax, both physically and mentally. And we all know that we could benefit from some relaxation in our profession. Four, clutter constantly signals our brains that our work is never done. Five, clutter makes us anxious because we're never sure what it's going to take to get through to the bottom of the pile. This is often the case with notes or things that need to be charted. The pile just gets so big that we get anxious about even getting started, which inhibits us from working on it, which only makes the pile grow larger. Six, clutter creates feelings of guilt, like I should be more organized, and embarrassment, especially when others unexpectedly drop by our homes or workspaces. I think that this is the indicator of what I was talking about when you show up to work a tournament and somebody's kit or the way that they've presented the materials is just sort of strewn about. I think that is sort of the level of guilt or embarrassment. I surely feel, you know, kind of embarrassed for them. And that's where my judgment comes from. Seven, clutter inhibits creativity and productivity by invading the open spaces that allow most people to think, brainstorm, and problem solve. And eight, clutter frustrates us by preventing us from locating what we need quickly. Example, files and paperwork just kind of lost in the pile or keys swallowed up by the clutter. So not only can we say that In theory, we understand how the lack of organization around us could be affecting us in our progress professionally or what people think about us or just overall perceptions. But here we actually have causes of stress in our lives that are the result of the messes that we're keeping around us. So now that we recognize how clutter and a lack of organization affects us personally, professionally, and psychologically, what are some of the things that we can do to systemize ourselves? Here are some of the resources that I have found useful in organizing my own life. One, I was given a book, The Art of Tidying, as a gift that on the surface seems like a book about how to clean up your house, but really it has a much deeper meaning and purpose that can be applied to all aspects of our life. Essentially, the message is that what you surround yourself with should bring you joy. That includes organization, materials, and your overall spaces But even the people that you surround yourself with, your network, your family, your friends, whoever that is, 
they should bring you joy. And going back to the idea of quality over quantity, we want to make sure that we're focusing on the things that uplift us and are able to help us succeed and move forward. This is a small book, a pretty quick read, but if you're not into that, if you're not much of a reader, just Google Con Marie, which is K-O-N-M-A-R-I, Con Marie method, and you'll see a ton of examples of what the book illustrates in terms of how to declutter your spaces in order to fill them with joy. The next resource is QuickBooks for the Self-Employed, which is amazing to help manage your income and expenses. I actually have the full-blown QuickBooks to manage the entire company with, but the version they offer for self-employed people is an awesome resource. Not only can you keep track of what has been paid or the total that you've made for the year, but it creates reports for you and other handy outputs that will be valuable as you continue as an independent contractor or self-employed individual. These will then be invaluable as you approach tax season and your tax professional starts asking for things like your profit and loss and your balance sheet. It really is just kind of a click and print. I recognize that this isn't going to be a resource that a lot of people use, but if you are an independent contractor, if you're self-employed and you work with a number of clients, I would strongly encourage you to download this software. If you're not full-blown self-employed, but you pick up some contract work, I would recommend using the Expensify app for receipts and mileage. You can turn it on whenever you start driving so that it logs your mileage, or you can just jot down your odometer reading before and after, and you can calculate expense reimbursement that way. And it also allows you to take photos of receipts to import, and then you can create bills or expense those items at a later time. It keeps everything in one app and nicely organized by the date or by the client or however it is that um, you you need to be able to display that. Or worst case scenario, again, at the end of the year when tax season comes, you're able to export that into a PDF and reduce your tax liability by having those expenses. There's another app called Mile Up that it doesn't help you with organization, but it does pay you for driving. So you earn points when you drive and then you can redeem those points for gift cards or you can enter into sweepstakes with them. It's pretty cool and literally all you have to do is download the app on your phone and drive with your phone in the car and you start accumulating points. So that's a little bit of a tangent, but I figured since we were talking about how to make a little bit of money or lower your tax liability and we're tracking mileage, I figured I would mention it. Moving on. There are several recommendations I can give in way of a calendar app. 
The most basic and free options are probably what's going to be that comes on your phone, maybe Google calendars or iCal, uh, if you prefer to have these things on your mobile device, which if you're an independent contractor and you're going between gigs, I would very strongly recommend. Um, But these ones specifically, you can also access from a computer, which is really nice. But if you feel like you're needing something a little bit more robust, Fantastical is a great app. It does need to be purchased. So it depends on your level of commitment and uh, desire and needs. But if you're looking for a calendar type app that gives you a little bit more uh, ability to schedule, um, I can I can recommend Fantastical. But I actually don't prefer calendar-based organization tools. So If you're more task driven like I am, I can give you a whole rundown of what works and what doesn't work. If you just need simple reminders like what to buy at the grocery store or to remember to do something when you get home or to the office, the Reminders app on Apple phones is a really great place to accomplish that. I often use the location feature on there as there are usually things that I need to remember to do when I get to where I'm going. I've also used Google Drive to set up tasks lists. So I kind of created one for myself that was semi-calendar, semi-task driven. And that actually helped for a while But I didn't like that I had to be online in order to access it. And for me, it was cumbersome because I self-created it. So every time a new month or a week would come, I had to copy and paste and then delete other content. And it just wasn't really the most efficient way for me to uh, display my information. But uh, Google Drive is actually pretty powerful and um, has a lot of things in there from presentations to spreadsheets to just open documents. So if that's something that you're looking for, that might be a good solution for you. I most recently, kind of at the beginning of the year, started using a new software called OmniFocus, which has been stellar for me. It did cost $40, so it's not cheap, but has one great feature that I love and have not been able to find in any other task-related app, and that is the ability to link emails from my inbox to a to-do list. This is incredibly helpful for me because I often have a list of emails to reply to or the tasks that I need to complete are related to an email that someone sent to me. So whether it's following up with a lead or setting up a meeting, the ability for me to add that original message to my to-do list means not only can I get the task done, but then I can click on that link and reply to the message all in one. So to me, it was worth the $40, but that is a much more powerful software. It also lets you do Uh, goal planning, which I do a lot. It has projects. You can at people. I mean, it's it's a pretty powerful software. Um, So if you're really looking like you need something strong, I would definitely recommend taking a look at OmniFocus. 
So those are just some of the ones that I've found most valuable. Uh, I probably use a good handful more than this, um, you know, but I want to keep these general and, and a able to apply to a lot of you. And I'm sure that you all have some tricks that you've come up with to make your life more efficient and organized. And I'd be interested in hearing the hacks that you're using. So if you ever post them or you want to share them with me, or maybe you think that something that you use would benefit us or other people, please tag us at The Advantage on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, because I'd love to be able to share what it is that you're doing, because usually if you can utilize it, so can somebody else. Overall, what is the effect of organization on our personal and professional lives? You know, creating workflows for yourself will increase productivity and efficiency. Starting to develop healthy habits for yourself in order to stay organized makes you more functional and an overall stronger professional. So based on what we've discussed today, what are some areas that you could improve organization in your life? Perhaps you can download a few of the apps to remind you of tasks or take that box of receipts and make them digital. Create clarity for yourself in one way today. Whether that is physical or time-based, how can you improve after listening to this episode? I want you to define this for yourself. Neat and tidy are going to look different and feel different for each one of us. Maybe you define it as simply less messy, which is fine. As long as we are taking effort to make ourselves better professionals, that's all we're really looking to accomplish here. And understand, this is something that, at least for me, is an ebb and flow. I may spend a whole day cleaning and putting things away, only for a week later it to look like how it started. But if I had not done the cleaning a week prior, it would now be two weeks worth of buildup. Don't get discouraged knowing that it may return to its current state. Continue to work on finding longer-term solutions, such as throwing things away or finding a permanent home for them, or in some instances, just simply accept that items get used and that they need to be put it back away. Thank you for listening. You are now eligible to earn your free CEU by logging on to theadvantage.com slash CEU and taking the quiz. If you're enjoying listening or know a colleague looking for free CEUs, please share our link and don't forget to like us on social media at The Advantage. On our next episode, the second to last one for this season, we will be discussing risk and liability. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout. 